I'm Matthew, one of the pastors at the Hills Church, and I will do my best this morning to, to keep the, the mask up and to not touch my face. Um, if you are a guest, we welcome you and we'd love to connect with you. And if you will go down in the comments, there is a, a link where you can fill out a, a connect form. And if you do that while we're live, we will donate $5 to stop human trafficking on your behalf. So thanks for being with us today. And our check-in question today, we're going to have a, a little fun with our, our check-in question. And, and the goal really is to get you commenting, uh, chatting back and forth a little bit. Um, so our check-in question today is, if you had to have one song stuck in your head for the rest of your life, one song only stuck, um, what would you not want it to be? Like, What, what is the, the one song that you would not want it to be? Um, so I, I give you just a, a couple ideas, but the, you know, there's just some of the, the classic songs that, that get stuck in there like, uh, We didn't start the fire. That's all I got on that one. Um, probably, don't, probably don't want that one stuck in your head. Or what about, never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. I love that song. But you don't want it stuck forever. Like the one, like if you had one song, that's not. We're no strangers to love. All right. I love this song, man. All right, okay, all right. Well, what about, uh, I got another one. Uh-huh. Uh, let it go, let it go. Like, you don't want that one. You got little kids, like that one gets in your head. Or last one is, uh, hey, Macarena. <laughs> no. You don't want that one. Hey, Macarena. So if there's a song that's coming to mind that is like, man, if that song got stuck in my head for the rest of my life, would be, we'd be terrible. Uh, write that in the comments. And uh, yeah, see what, see what everyone's almost like least favorite song would be. But you might have noticed that we are not in, in our living room today. We're in uh, part of a, a warehouse. It's just part of the building. And we've been thinking as uh, a church how we can support our local nonprofits, local businesses. And we thought what we could do is, is film live at, on location at those businesses to give you a chance to, to learn about a nonprofit that you may not know about, a, a business you may not know about. And so uh, today we are at PCs for People. PCs as in computers, PCs for People. Uh, it's, a, it's a new facility at the corner of 38th and Kearney. Um, and it's just getting started. And today I have with me uh, Alejandro uh, DePico. So Alejandro, if you want to come on over and... Uh, and first of all, thanks for, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me part of your podcast here. Yeah. It's an honor. Yeah, and, and so tell us, Alejandro, about PCs for People. Like, what do you do? Yeah, uh, PCs for People is a non-profit organization. Um, we have the mission of uh, providing computers and internet in every single house that don't have or that they cannot afford it. Yeah. So all those families can be connected. If they have kids, how, how a kid can grow up that grows up with no computer is going to compete in the future mm -hmm. with someone who had a computer. So for that, we are here. So that family is connected and it can be in the 21st century. Got it, got it. Um, and and how, long, how long have you been in, in Park Hill here at this location? Yeah, so we really ja are moving right now. We okay. just um, uh, moved here the recycling center and we are going to bring in the retail store in the next month. 
Um, right now we had two facilities that we've been, it was a recycling center and then a retail store separated. Now we're creating here a community technology hub where people can acquire technology, but also they can learn about how to use this technology. So it's gonna yeah. be also a training center. Gotcha, so, so you'll have uh, classes for people in the neighborhood to come and, and learn software and hardware? Yes, that is correct. Uh, the kids or whoever is interested, they can intern. They mm. can do internship and they can learn about the hardware. And if they provide 50 hours of work when they learn, they can get to build their own computer. So this is awesome. really great for, for the kids that they build this computer and then belong to us. And they see that this is something that they can do. Right. And then we also are gonna have a basic level, intermediate and an advanced level for classroom. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. And if, um, so you're providing computers for, uh, for people who may not otherwise be able to afford them. Mm -hmm. Also, you s internet, did you say internet? And internet as well. Internet as well. Mm -hmm. And if, if someone is, is watching and they wanted to find out like how they could uh, apply for a computer, mm -hmm. like what, what should they do? Correct, so to get any of our services, we are a non-profit organization, so we can only serve people who qualify to our program. Mm -hmm. The best way is going to our website and see the qualification, the qualification needs, mm -hmm. but basically if you receive any benefit from the government like Medicaid, uh, free or reduced lunch for the kids in the school, you qualify. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you can acquire computer, internet, uh, all very affordable, and also repairs in your own computer, get the classes, internship, and all kinds of technology that we are creating over here. Gotcha. Um, and so there, and what's, what's the website? The website is uh, www.pcsforpeople.org. Dot org. Okay. Mm -hmm. PCsforpeople.org. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll put that in our, in our comments so people can click on that uh, yeah. easily. And so what, I mean, during this, I know that things um, like when the pandemic happened, mm -hmm. uh, uh, from what I understand, you saw a, an increase in need during uh, that time? Absolutely. Really, our demand is just multiplying. Um, suddenly, every school going online learning, they realized they didn't know this. And they suddenly, all the school districts realized, like, oh, these people doesn't have a computer at home. How been doing all their homework during all this time? They didn't know, they were going to the library waiting time, and now they are, all the school districts are coming to us saying, hey, how can you help us to put computers to all these families? And just in the month of April, we put away more than 4,000 computers across what? Colorado. And wow. 4,000 is just a number, but it takes yeah. a lot of work in the background, and it's 4,000 families impacted. Absolutely. That is, is something no, that, that's yeah. awesome. And so, so on the other hand, it, do you receive computer donations? Yes, that is correct. So um, big companies, uh, they refresh their computers mm -hmm. every maybe some do every three years, others every four years. A three-year-old computer, we are talking about a top-of-the-line computer. Mm -hmm. So we pick up all those e all the e ways that for a big company e-ways, but we can refurbish those computers and put it back in the community. And that is a such a good computer that is still yeah. have a really long time that otherwise it will be thrown to the landfill, for example. Gotcha, gotcha. So if someone works for um, a company that has lot, uses computers and they refresh them, when it comes time to refresh them, they should point them in your direction. That is correct because getting all this technology in physics is expensive. We provide this service for free. We have the highest certifications in the industry to be able to manage all these computers, wipe the data, everything is safe with us, uh, and we provide this service for free, so then we can uh, help the community over gotcha, here. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's, 
it's not, if someone has a personal computer, uh, you know, an old, that's not necessarily what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You're looking for like the Yeah, but we also, we also, if you want to responsibly recycle uh, e-waste that you have in your garage, that is also an expensive service. So what mm -hmm. people does is maybe dump it in the alley because they don't want to pay for it. So mm -hmm. we provide for the community around us a free responsibly recycled center where they can just come here, drop off the things, and if it's old, it doesn't work, doesn't matter. We provide that uh, technology uh, responsibly recycled instead going to the landfill. That's also part of our mission. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so you're not open here yet. When, when do you think things will be, be yeah, open? Right here? now we have a retail store still in West Alameda, but we are planning to open this location on the 1st of July. And so people, if they are in need of our services, one, they can go on, on our line website, but they also can go in Alameda and Federal, and they can, we are still there, and they can okay. acquire any of our services. <coughs> gotcha. Well, I, I, uh, I met uh, someone else that works here, and they, they told me about PCs for People, and I think it's, uh, it's so critical uh, for this neighborhood, helping, uh, helping kids uh, have the tools necessary, mm -hmm. and so we... We're, we're behind you, 100%. Yeah, thank you so much. And we're planning on doing something beautiful for this neighborhood. Mm. Is, uh, we don't only want to provide things for the neighborhood, but also want the neighborhood to be part of us. Mm. So all working together, we can um, get staff working over here from this neighborhood. We can get interns over here. And all together, we will work to break the digital divide, not only in Colorado, but across the country. Yeah. So that is something that we want to become part of this community. Yeah. Now that's great. Thanks, Alejandro. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having and, me. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate it. Cool, cool. So she'll go take that from me. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, like I said, we're here at PCs for People, and if, if you know of a good nonprofit in the neighborhood, uh, a locally owned uh, business, we would love to come and um, support. Uh, other businesses as well, so, so let me know, and we'd be, we'd be happy to come on site. Uh, but check out pcsforpeople.org. You can, can learn more about, about them. Um, so we have been looking at uh, an early Christian letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was a, an urban boom town. It was situated on the Mediterranean um, in Greece. And the church there was struggling. And they were, they were struggling because... Uh, they had people from some uh, just very diverse backgrounds, and they, they had put their faith in Jesus, but they were still, they were trying to work out, like, how do we follow Jesus? What does this look like? And Paul writes them a letter that we call uh, 1 Corinthians. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he's encouraging them to define their lives uh, by the, the mystery of the resurrection. And he, he tells them, and he tells us 2,000 years later, that what God has done in Christ, he's going to do for them, and he's going to do for us and the whole world. And so our, our text today invites us to, uh, to step back and to consider the character of the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to see once again how the, the resurrection, it, it both produces anticipation of what's going to happen, but also power and strength for us in our present circumstances. And uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that this is a, a recurring theme, that what Jesus did in the past in his resurrection, it, it gives us hope for the future, but it also uh, gives us uh, strength and adds meaning to our life now in the present. And so as we, as we go through today, I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 15. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference some passages uh, without actually reading them, so I want you to be able to look and, and see what I'm talking about. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 35. So it says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And when you sow, you, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body, as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives it its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds another and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind. And the splendor of earthly bodies is of another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars different from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Let's take a breath for a moment. I mean, it's talking about splendor and bodies and natural and spiritual and earth and heaven. Like what? What's going on here? What's going on? So in this time in Corinth, uh, it's Greeks and Romans, and they had, uh, for the most part, the people there had embraced a sort of, of dualism between the material world and the non-material world, between what was matter and spirit, between the body, the flesh, and soul. And, and we still see this in, in various Christian circles today. And um, I don't think, usually we, we step back from our beliefs and, and think, well, maybe I, I believe that as well. Um, but how, so how do you know if you have this view, if you have this, this dualistic approach between the material and immaterial so here's his question. If you think this world is a sinking ship, like it's, it's going down and so we need to get as many people off of it as possible, like if, if that is your view of, of the world, it's likely that you have the, a dualistic view of the world. And so I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to consider another option. I'm going to gently prod us to look at Scripture today to see if that, in fact, lines up with Scripture. Um, and usually this view of the world uh, understands the next life as, as like a, a disembodied experience where we, we shed this earthly body and this earthly place. Um, but not only is this uh, not the biblical view, but it strips every vocation of its meaning. Um, if you, 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 your work and your life have very little meaning if the goal is finally to be free from this old sinful world. Like, if, if that is the goal, then um, just to escape to heaven in the sky. Now, now, don't just take this statement in a vacuum. Like, stick with me this whole time, and we're, we're going someplace. 
But if, if our future is just an, an immaterial existence where we flit around from, from cloud to, to cloud, I mean, just think about that. Like what kind of future, I mean, it just doesn't invoke much uh, hope, excitement. It's rather unimpressive. Uh, now, I grew up in a tradition that very much emphasized the second coming of Jesus. And I think we should still emphasize this, the second coming of Jesus. Like Jesus, uh, he told parables, like be ready, you don't know the day, the hour. Um, and so we, we need to be preparing for when Jesus comes again. But what I didn't growing up understand was what we were looking forward to. Like what, what was after that? And you can imagine my uh, difficulties as, as a teenager who was, who was apprehensive about Jesus returning. Now, some of that anxiety showed up um, at home sometimes where my parents, like I thought they were home and they weren't in the house and like I thought I got left behind. And man, I, I was scared. And, and, uh, but I was, I was cool, you know, especially middle school. Like I, was, I wasn't going to be like, Mom, Dad! But it was more like, just, uh, Dad, uh, Mom, anybody? Just so I could get the reassurance that I was not, uh, in fact, alone and had not been left behind. So there was some anxiety behind that. Uh, but there was also some uh, fear and anxiety that if, if Jesus came back, that I would somehow miss out on life. Like I prayed, you know, we prayed, Jesus, come quickly. But as a teenage boy not understanding, it was like, but not too quickly. You know, like, uh, I want to get married. I want to I have sex before Jesus comes back. Like, I mean, that, uh, if, if you grew up in church, you probably had, like, that's just real teenage boy talk. Like, Jesus, come on back, but, but not, not yet. And so I was trying to, I mean, that was my, my mental space as a uh, middle school boy, probably high school boys as well, um, just trying to figure things out. And, and this is one of the reasons why 1 Corinthians 15 is so important to our faith. That's why we, we keep coming back to it week after week. It's, it provides a corrective to the escapism that often finds its way into our faith. Um, and if Jesus' tomb really was empty, if there was no body in the tomb, what does that mean for the character of the resurrection itself? And what does that mean for the Christian life? And so the people at Corinth uh, were, were influenced, uh, people they attribute it to, uh, to Plato and Plato's idea of the, the immortality of the soul. Um, and it, Plato's view was like the, the soul continues to exist even when the body dies. Uh, and the body and soul are fundamentally distinct and the soul is the prisoner of the body. And so like at death, we, we shed our body and we, we go into some type of uh, eternal existence. We continue just our soul. And, and because of this influence, some in the church in Corinth were saying, you know, the resurrection of Jesus, it was just a spiritual, like non-material resurrection. And that somehow Jesus in his, his spirit went to be with the Father. And, and that's the destiny of all of us, all of humanity. And if that is the case, then our future is also a very immaterial future. From, uh, and it's an escape from the material creation, an abandonment, an, an escape. And, and so... Paul is addressing that, and he's saying that the resurrection is not a sign of abandonment, but it's actually a, a promise for the renewal of creation itself. And, 
And so we, we see in this narrative in Scripture that Scripture begins with the story of creation, where the triune God who has, has been in this relationship, this perfect relationship of harmony, created the world as an expression of that love. And, and God created all things and declared that it was very good. In fact, in the first chapters of Genesis, seven times, there's a sevenfold benediction where, where God declares it is good. And we see Paul drawing on the creation account in verses 38 through 41. He speaks of the ways that God is, has dressed his creation. He says, look at the people, the, the animals, the birds, the fish, the sun, the moon, the stars. And, and Paul is affirming the goodness of creation and the crown jewel of his creation, humans, you and me. But then Paul, he starts talking about Adam, and he's already talked about Adam once, and, uh, and what he, he says uh, throughout this chapter is that Adam was anointed as the representative of all creation. And so that the destiny of creation was rasp, wrapped up in the, in the destiny of Adam. Like, as Adam went, creation went. And as Adam sinned, he plunged humanity and all of creation into despair, decay, corruption, and death. And so when Paul says in verse 47 that Adam was made out of the dust, he's referring back to Genesis chapter 3, when God tells Adam, you came from the dust to the dust, you will return. So we have the the story of creation at the beginning of Scripture. Uh, Humanity messes it up completely. But there's this underlying promise. There's this current all throughout the Old Testament that God's going to come and and make things new again. And and Paul is saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Paul calls Jesus the last Adam. He is, Jesus is, what Adam should have been. In the same way that Adam represents the original creation, Jesus represents the the new creation. Did I say that wrong? Adam is the original Jesus is the new. So in Jesus, God has, in fact, entered into creation. He has taken creation upon himself, and in his resurrection has led to to the flowering of something imperishable and powerful, arrayed in splendor and glory. And now Jesus uh, extends an invitation to us. And this invitation is to bind our destiny to his destiny. And so the story of of the resurrection is really a story of creation, an ongoing story of creation. And if this is true, then it brings us to two uh, kind of uh, conclusions. And the first is an affirmation of the goodness of creation, and the second is an anticipation of the glory of the new creation. So the first, the resurrection of Jesus leads us to an affirmation of the goodness of creation. In the resurrection of Jesus, there is an inherent affirmation of the very good created order that God made. So we see that in verses 38 through 41. Just a couple things. I'm going to try to go quickly. Uh, But Paul reminds us that creation is a gift from God. He says God gave, and then he lists all the things that that God gave. He reminds us of the glory and the splendor of, of earth. He talks of the splendor of the heavenly and the earthly bodies. And then in verse 42 and 44, he he says that creation is victimized by death. Death is an unwelcome intruder. And this is why creation is decaying and prone to corruption. It's perishable, it's weak, it's without glory in comparison. Now, so those verses, they could lead you to denigrate creation. Like, oh, it's perishing, it's it's fleeting, it's, it's going away. But, 
if you, if you read it close, verse 37, again, 42 through 44, we see that creation itself is what is sown into the ground. Creation itself is what is sown into the ground. It, it is the material for God's recreative work. What is sown, and, th- and then Paul uses different words, it's perishable. He says, it will be raised. So, so consider that, like this, um, the original creation is going to be used, it's going to be part of God's new creation. And so somehow, there is continuity between the the original creation and God's new creation. And this is why. And this is why Christianity should never be a world-hating or world-escaping religion. God is going to use this perishable, this weak, this natural earth to bring about the flowering of the new creation. And to be a Christian is to share in God's love for this world that he made. And so we work. We work against all forms of death and, and destruction and corruption uh, we push back against anything uh, that seeks to destroy what God has made. And this is why we, we just don't care about saving souls, which we do care about, but about doing justice and loving mercy. And so this, the resurrection of Jesus should lead us to a strong affirmation of the goodness of creation. It should lead us to an affirmation of the goodness of creation. But not only that, the resurrection of Jesus leads us to an anticipation the glory of the new creation. Now, I know it's hard to see, but I'm smiling right now (laughs) because there is an anticipation of the glory of the new creation that the world will be transformed from what it is into what it will one day be. And, And what is sown is not identical to what is grown. What is sown is not identical, though it is related. There there is some relationship, some continuity there, and discontinuity. In in verse 45, uh, again, we see that this new creation is a gift from God, just as the original creation is a gift from God. But this new creation is not subject to death, like the first creation is. Uh, This this new creation will be imperishable. It'll be glorious. It'll be powerful. This new creation is raised from the old material, but it's radically transformed into something different. This new creation is raised from the old material, but it's radically transformed into something different. I just want to give a brief note about uh, verse 44. Because um, verse 44 has some, caused some confusion, a misunderstanding in the church uh, for, for a lot of years. And I'm not going to attempt to, uh, to, to fix all that at the moment. And I, I don't... Um, I, got, I don't have that, that much knowledge or ability. But if, if whether you look at an older translation like the King James or a newer uh, translation of the Bible like um, the English Standard Version or the NIV, in verse 44, uh, it uses the words uh, natural body and spiritual body. Natural body and spiritual body. And, and natural body speaks of our current body and our spiritual body speaks of the future body. And so our frame of reference when we hear that is to associate the natural body with the physical, like this flesh and, and bones. And that's what we think of when we think of, of natural. And we think of spiritual body. What we hear is immaterial, like a, like a ghost, like with, with no, no substance to it. And, and we can't make that mistake. Because Paul, when he says spiritual, what, what he means 
And what he doesn't mean, he doesn't mean the immaterial. He means a life fully empowered by the Spirit of God. Yeah, a life fitted, a, a life, a body that is made for God's presence. Like our, our bodies as they are, we, we don't fit in God's presence. But th- this new body, this new, this spiritual body will be fully animated by the Spirit of God. And so Paul is not contrasting the material out of which something is made. Uh, just like you would compare a, a steel ship to a wood ship. Like that's not what Paul's talking about. He's more talking about what powers the ship. Uh, so think of uh, whether something is steam-powered or wind-powered. Like what is bringing this body to life? So when he says uh, this future spiritual body, he's not talking about, oh, like we're, you know, just, just ghost and just ethereal existence. But he's, he's talking about an actual physical body that is fit for life in God's kingdom. Fit for with, without any of our present weakness. That's, so I imagine like, okay, all right, all right. Matthew, we won't just be spirits, we'll have bodies. Got it. But does it really matter? Does it matter? That's a great question. I'm glad you, you asked that. Um, and, and I think it does matter because God made us as whole people and he has redeemed us holy. And so we, sh- we should not negate the body in favor of the soul in thinking about this life or the life that is to come because it's not the immortality of the soul but the resurrection of the body that is the Christian creed. It's not the immortality of the soul but the resurrection of the body because if the future, uh, if what awaits us in the future is just a, like the non-material resurrection, then, then this life and, and what we do in this life has very little meaning. Like we're just going to escape it all anyway. And what we have to look forward to and what we're hoping for ain't that great. Like it's, well like, um, but because Jesus has been bodily raised, those who trust in him will also be raised in the same way. We'll be raised imperishable with glory and power. And, and the, so the resurrection of Jesus, it gives us uh, an appreciation for creation and an anticipation of glory of the new. So what, what does that mean? Here we are, 2020, middle of a pandemic. Um, it's simply this, that your life and your labor bear within it an affirmation of the goodness of creation. Like, and as simple as it may sound, your work uh, in one way is one way in, in which you can share in God's love for the world. Whether you're, you're taking tests or you're making dinner, you're writing reports, you're taking out the trash, you're mowing lawns, you're sitting at a desk, you're playing with grandkids, you are bearing out in your body an affirmation of God's good creation. And, and I also want you to be encouraged with the anticipation of the glory of the new creation. Because what has happened in Jesus is just a foretaste of what is to come. And when we are united with him, the same resurrection, resurrected future waits for us. So as we conclude uh, this, this week, in my preparation, I came across a, a book written by Maria Schreiber, a, a children's book called What's Heaven? And Maria, uh, Maria Schreiber is a, um, a, a journalist. She's a niece of JFK. She was once the former, um, or she was once the first lady of California. 
And the content of this children's book called What's Heaven is basically what millions of people in the West believe happens when, y- when you die. And so here are just uh, a few lines from, from her book. Uh, there, and this is not uh, in a, like these are lines throughout the book. Um, so one is, uh, heaven is somewhere you believe in. It's a beautiful place where you can sit on soft clouds and talk to other people who are there. Uh, if you're good throughout your life, then you get to go to heaven. And when your life is finished on earth, God sends his angels down to take you up to heaven to be with him. I don't know if you catch the, the dualism there, the, the escape of the soul, and, and no me- mention of the resurrection. Now, I don't know Miss Ms. Shriver, um, and in the forward of the book, or in the beginning, she says she wrote the book because her daughter had some questions when her grandmother passed away about, like, what, what's heaven? And so this was her attempt, and I think her answer is what most people in the West would say to their kids. And I think it's also what a lot of uh, Christians would say uh, to, to their kids as well. And I was, I was reading a few reviews of the book on Amazon because uh, apparently I had nothing better to do. <laughs> um, and you know, the, just like any book, some reviews were positive, some were negative. And, and one person who, who didn't care too much for the book uh, put it this way. He said, although Maria Shriver's intentions were good, I have to say this is pretty lame. No, dangerously lame, in fact. Better to keep your mouth shut if this recycled myth of a man in the sky is the only arrow you've got in your quiver. How about some gentle honesty? Look out the window, sweetheart. Things don't last, but new and wonderful things like you appear and take their place. Do you have any idea the number of adults who go to funerals and are struck numb by the sheer emptiness of the mythological promise of life everlasting? How about an honest answer that nobody really knows for sure? But we hope that it all makes sense. And if we really cling to that hope, we need to love one another all the more and cherish people while they're here. I understand where where this reviewer is, is coming from. And, um, because what if, if what Maria is saying is true, then there actually isn't much hope there. Like, what? Floating around on some, some clouds, talking to people. It's the sort of disembodied, non-material afterlife that many people believe and confuse with the Christian hope. But that is not our hope. Uh, and then in, in response to what he said, like, I, I don't think that his answer provided much hope either. Like, just the, I don't know. Maybe this happens, maybe that, but, but we don't know. Um, but how can we know anything about what's to come? Like, how can we know it? And I, I mean, even in, in Scripture, uh, one, one author put it this way, is that any time that the Bible talks about the future, it's just signpost pointing into the mist. Signpost pointing into the mist. Like, we see through a, gl- a glass darkly, says Peter. All, so all of our language about the future, it's, there's complex metaphors, and, and it may or may not correspond well to the ultimate reality. But that doesn't mean it's anybody's guess. Why? Because we know one who has come out of the mist to meet us. We know one who has come out of the fog to meet us. He has come from the future, so to speak, or rather, he has experienced the future already and is now what we will become. Jesus has come out of the fog. Jesus rose from the dead, and the life that he now lives, he extends to us. 
And that is the hope. It's not just a, a hope and a, a prayer. Like it is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who has come out of the mist to us. And so we can affirm the goodness of creation and anticipate the glory of the new creation because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. So I'm going to ask uh, Najee to, to lead us. Uh, and this morning, if, if you need um, encouragement, and if, or if you, or as you're listening, maybe you just happen to come across this video online, or maybe you're, you're watching with some family or friends, and, um, and you, today as I've been speaking about this Jesus who is alive, who rose from the dead, you want to put your trust in him. Today can be the day that you can do that. You can say, Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins. And if today, if you want to do that, we, we would love to walk this journey with you. So, so Najee's going to lead us. And tis so sweet to trust in Jesus again. And as, as he does, would you just uh, lay out your heart to God? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know, thus say the Lord Jesus Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him or endure. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more, oh, for grace to trust him more oh for grace to trust him trust him more let's pray father i thank you for the hope that we have in the resurrection. I thank you that it is not a fleeting hope and that what we have to look forward to is, is greater and better than anything that we could even imagine. God, and we, uh, we trust you. And I just pray uh, for those who have, have joined us today uh, that they would see how their life now is in anticipation it's an appreciation of your good creation. God, you would, um, you would give us, even as we go through just the, the mundane routine of life, that we would see in that new creation and how what we are doing now in this moment, somehow you are going to take that and you are going to make all things new and you are going to um, flower something incredible. And so would you come now, would you be present with us, that even as we have been stuck at home, uh, stuck with 
stuck with kids and frustrated at times, may we know that what we are doing in you is not in vain. In your name I pray. Amen.